what a week. What a week end. I can't believe we got done writing all those season three scripts for Enterprise and then all that time to catch up with my kids. All I wanted to do is watch Disney movies, of course, but, you know, it is. It is the year 2003. What hey, Brand Braga in the house. Hey. Rick Perman, man. What I heard you saying, that you're watching uh, Disney movies this weekend? Yeah, my good friend and collaborator on Star Trek Enterprise, Brandon Braga. That was, in fact, what I was doing this weekend. But I, Rick Berman, executive producer, sometimes I got to hang out with the children, do what they want to do. Not me. I don't have kids. I was just doing cocaine all weekend. Celebration for finishing up all those scripts. I mean, not you and me. Like, we, <laughs> we're so creatively bankrupt, you know. I think, what, we tapped out somewhere around season two. But this new batch of writers we got going boy this season three has taken off hot yeah that terry metallis guy who's your uh who's your ep man he he, he turned out a banger i really like that kid he, i think he might be going places yeah well let me tell you who's not going places lavar burton man did you see uh <laughs> oh we stuck him with the worst one i love it uh, i love it uh hey listen we got to talk, man. I know you thought that we were done with all the scripts for season three, but have you noticed that uh, brunette that's been hanging around on set lately? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is she is she someone's wife or or girlfriend or or mother? You know, actually, or, I thought she... she's Asian. It's hard to tell. I know. I thought she was the food services lady. That's actually Linda Park. Uh... <laughs> And she's a star on the show. She's got, like, credits and everything. I totally forgot. Oh, yeah, that's right. I think we did, like, some episodes in the first season, and yeah. I completely forgot she Yeah, 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 yeah. She's the one who we had her shirt fall off when she fell out of the ceiling. Oh, that was a great moment. Classic. Oh, hey, yeah. Listen, um, her agent is getting real prickly and saying that we have, quote, and I quote you here, uh, we have forgotten about her, and if she does not get an episode, uh, they're taking us to contract court. So we're going to need to bang one out, and I don't really have any ideas because, again, I'm creatively bankrupt right now. Um, Tell you what. It's what's on the mind, and the rest of my mind is gone as a consequence of that bankruptcy. Let's just do a Beauty and the Beast. You know? you know, I love when we take stuff that we just watch, like uh, that Jurassic Park episode that we stuck Burton with. Um, what are you thinking? Like a big old abandoned castle that's like yeah. ridiculously upkept. Uh, yeah. We don't have the special effects budget to have like animated candelabras. So let's just say there's off screen robots cleaning up, I guess. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. We'll just we'll pick a, a medieval castle set from the Paramount lot. It'll be fine. Throw him in a silk robe. Right. Oh, absolutely. He's got to look like a gentleman. Let's get uh, let's get a, a girl director that can like do the soft touch stuff. Roxanne's good about keeping it real sleazy. So when we tell um, we tell this park lady that she can't wear bras, it'll be like you know not as sexist. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Um, what else? Uh, well, we should make sure that this. You said her name was Hoshi. Was her character? She definitely should pack only the most inappropriate clothing for the circumstances yeah. like heels slinky dresses and you know she got the no bra memo right that's what i just said yeah okay good good yeah i just wanted i just want to be sure i want to be sure we got our we're gonna do covered. a musical in this one uh, no that's too much effort okay um what else oh you know what i have do have a b plot idea 
All right, stay with me here. Sexy crocodiles. Now, what we want to do, Rick? Stop! We... Enough with the goddamn crocodiles. Included alien genius in a dark and spoopy castle here on Vija, please. A heinous trip at Wolf Live. My name is Joseph. And I'm here ready to talk some Trek. I am your co host, Peter. Peter, I think we need to clarify for the people before they beat our doors down that we will, in fact, be recording episodes about Star Trek Picard for our Patreon yes. very soon. Enough. Uh... <laughs> Enough space guns have been put to my fucking head. I'll finally watch this goddamn thing. Yeah, yeah. I I got the feeling that you might start feeling the pressure here. So don't worry, everybody. It's happening. We're doing it. It'll be for the patrons first. We're going to do it on a relatively quick clip here. Uh, We're going to do the first four episodes as a chunk. Second, the middle third, and then the final third. So there'll be three episodes total. And... I imagine by the time this episode comes out, we we may be uh, putting out that first four. So if you are one of those ravenous people who are been been demanding Picard content, well, we'll do it. But we're going to charge you for the privilege over at Patreon, www.patreon.com slash feature, please. Uh, there's plenty of other content there for you to enjoy right now. The exclusive Patreon uh, reviews. We have our tank girl as well as reanimator. And then we have some dribs and drabs of some things we've never released to the public, like our, our takes on things like stranger things and a few other shows. So if you really like our takes, go there, enjoy, and there will be Picard episodes for you to enjoy as well. But if you are, I don't know, uh, in a, if you are unable, if you are unable to participate in that i understand we understand eventually they will go to the public just at some point in the future so yeah, and to clarify on that too uh you know this isn't cash grab stuff we're, we're, we're trying to stick with the enterprise thing and do picard at the same time so instead of getting like swiss cheese one to the other and and break the flow on that this is going to let us put out both mediums you know stick to the original plan of enterprise get this picard thing out under protest. And, <laughs> you know, I mean, I don't think you're going to protest too much once you start to watch. I'm it. sure I won't, but I'm just saying, yeah. you know, I, I've, I've had just everything spoiled to courtesy of thumbnails on YouTube, as well as all of the Star Trek memes. I fucking knew it. I fucking knew and it. I don't I'm try so to sorry. watch this stuff, but like I'm creative enough that all I need to see is like the first two words of a song to like know the entire fucking every verse. You know, just, oh, here's a little clip. Oh, okay, now I know that. Great. Um, but some of these spoilers and little funny memes and stuff I've seen, it's the picture of the D, and it's like the horse running, and it gets worse and worse. It starts off real. This is the reverse, and it's like yeah. a bad drawing of the Enterprise, and then by the third quadrant, it's photo real. And whoever did this meme, like, you just fucking suck. Because I can still see Saucer and Nacelle in the first two quadrants, like, 
the first two seasons of Picard were so fucking unrecognizably bad. It should be like a hellscape or like <laughs> piles of dead body. It shouldn't some, even resemble the D. Some fucking you know? it should look like a Cambodian death camp. Yeah. I I I knew that was gonna happen. And no. I even I even tried to tell you in advance, like, bro, I don't know if Listen, you can sequester jump back yourself. Jump to last episode, man. Uh, yeah. Until this fucking AI and and the the tech lords that care enough uh, to to show benevolence and disrupt their ad revenue algorithms to give us ways to protect against spoilers, it's not going to matter. And I mean, all the stuff I've seen is stuff. If you had me sit there and say. Make a wet dream wish list of all the your wild list Star Trek next generation fantasies that come true. I would say all the stuff I've seen would have been within the first 10 uh, fanboy orgasms. So it's not, <laughs> you know, and, and here's what I'm really going to compare this season three of Picard to is the Star Trek porn parody, which had people was at Sam Hain had someone who was a legit Star Trek fan, a good writer, uh, understood the source material and was able to expand it in a interesting way, in a a way that showed respect to the original medium, while also having, you know, people get banged all over the fucking place. But like, you know, having Tashi R pop back of how could this be? And like all that you, using correct star dates for so it'd fit in the continuity of existing season seven right. canon. But yeah. I'm saying like on top of, Oh, here's the heartwarming part, you know, where, where everybody gets a chance to pet spot or whatever fucking fan service pandering they're going to do in this thing. There's stuff you expect. I'm looking forward to like the thoughtful plot twist where it's like, Ooh, okay. That's, that's good. That's not the, uh, the Kodak moment that people are talking about on the groups and, and Reddit and stuff, but like the zings there. So we won't go too further in depth, but I do want to reassure you that the the reason the show really started to appeal to me is exactly the thing that you're kind of wanting out of it, which is the show managed to do interesting, engaging, dramatic expansion of the thing that we really enjoyed. And you have actors who, really turned in better performances than I really thought that they were going to uh, in executing on the material. And if I had like the end did get into, we're going to give you, we're going to give you the good stuff here. You've, you've, you've stuck with us. You've earned this. You get the mass effect three. uh, What's the the apartment DLC. (laughs) Oh, uh, the, uh, the Citadel DLC. Yeah. Yeah, The last, uh, last couple episodes of the Citadel DLC, yeah, that is absolutely the case, but it is still like within parameters to a degree sure. that it's know. replicated cheesecake that came out of the replicator. Enjoy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. I want to go back to the Cambodian death camps. I want to go I, back I, I, to who doesn't <laughs> I want to go back to impulse. My favorite episode of Star Trek Enterprise real quick. We didn't we didn't do the the SOP closeout. You know, the Jack requested uh, Starfleet. I'm trying to keep the bit alive and I keep forgetting about it. So maybe it just has to be like, uh, hey, <laughs> you've had some time to think about it. You know, how yeah. will we expand SOPs based on what we saw in Impulse? Uh, I think my uh, Starfleet addendum for Impulse is going to be. It's OK to use lethal on zombies. Yeah, yeah. Le- lethal forces approved if you run into space zombies. 
Is that uh, General Order 7, subsection 2? In the case of zombie infestation during a <laughs> while on an away team, you may use, set your phasers to kill. I'm going to say this, Joe. I'm going to say that in my head canon, that's a real line in Starfleet. And that uh, it was so effective that we have never seen another zombie episode of Star Trek since Impulse chronologically. Because the zombie apocalypses just are never given an opportunity to bloom because those phasers go to kill. <laughs> like Archer just made sure to just write that down in pen in the charter of Starfleet. Yeah. Like, listen, guys, I know this is going to sound weird, but you will run into zombies at some point and you just need to kill them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, things... Things are take a considerably less lethal turn here this week on, on Enterprise. What episode did we watch? Season three, episode six, Exile. First aired October 15th, 2003. This is going to be another uh, Halloween era written by Phyllis Strong. Again, Mike Sussman, notably absent from writing credit on this. Directed by Roxanne Dawson. If it's got to be sexy. Call your girl Roxanne. <laughs> I almost want to go and get into some of these Delta Flyer uh, podcasts, the, their their paywalled content. Mm-hmm. And I know a couple of our listeners do pay that Delta Flyer money. Um, feel free. Actually, not feel free. I would ask. Any of you that have heard Roxanne Dawson talk specifically about Trek ad nauseum, whether it's at conventions or on Delta Flyers, if she's really breached into her directorial collection, specifically in Enterprise, because it is staggering the amount of. I don't want to say it, I mean, it's not smut, but it, it, there, there's a strong romantic line to the point of exploitation and all the stuff they've involved her in. And I, at this point, I can't say it's coincidental, man. Like every time they're parading boobies around, man, Roxanne Dawson's in that director's seat. Or, or piles have come as we've previously discussed, but I almost yeah. put that in its own like comedy class. Like it's certainly yeah. it's blue, I, but your, your point is, is well taken. Roxanne Dawson does appear to have a lot of episodes involve a lot of sensual activity. We'll put it that way. But then again, is that just what the show is so relying on so frequently that well, any, any director that has a lot of credits is just going to have a lot of tits on it? I posted in the trauma support group. You saw that picture of Linda Park. You know, one nipple rock hard. as She's in this thin cotton T-shirt. And I'm not sitting here snooping for this stuff. And I'm not, you know, a big prude. I watch a lot of fucking pornography. But I don't need it in the Star Trek, man. And I don't feel like it has ever been there at these levels before. Maybe it's just because these are high def episodes that the camera is able to pick up on it, where, you know, standard def used to smooth it out. Ironic, not ironically. Interestingly, uh, this episode was the first to actually broadcast in high definition, which uh, is pretty interesting. Yeah, they were all shot in high def, but it you know that technology was extremely rare. 
in 2001. It is still very rare in 2003. Uh, but we are to the point where digital transmission has become the standard. And but what so- I'm saying is, I think that there is, and I'm talking out of my ass like every podcaster does. My perception is that there is an agreement between the producers and Roxanne Dawson that when there is a script that it all appears risky or that if a guy was involved, there would be additional questions. But if you have a girl in the director's seat, it gives you a lot more buy-in and they go, oh, Roxanne, we got one for you. And she's like, well, I like that paycheck. Let's get them titties out. And this isn't even as bad as like uh, Rajin where it's like straight on Skinamax. This is definitely more supposed to be romantic or have a like, I'm not even maybe romantic's the wrong word. There's it, it is a it's more dramatic with a relationship angle and a feminine touch in your director's chair on an episode like that. That makes a lot of sense. It let does. me tell you. Let me tell you something right now. I don't know if the skit we did is going to make this episode or not. And if it doesn't, I hope it ends up uh, in the extras of the Patreon as uh, a lot of our failed projects do. I did not even make the connection on Beauty and the Beast on this thing until I was reading the the Memory Alpha. The whole time I'm sitting there watching this ugly motherfucker skulk about his uh, weird, vaguely Eastern castle. The whole time I'm like, this is Bram Stoker's Dracula. Dracula, Phantom of the Opera, Beauty and the Beast. A a terrible, ugly figure who is romancing a young, vital, beautiful woman. Yeah. They all share that similarity. Obviously, Dracula is much more horror uh, than romance, but there's still a romantic element. Well, did you see this guy's face? (laughs) (laughs) It's Yu Zhang Vong, motherfucker. I, you know, when I say Bram Stoker's reference right there, my friend, I like that. 10 out of 10. That's what the people are here for. You're an OG. (laughs) Uh, Friendship Brigade, right? The, the the version of Dracula I'm talking is Francis Ford Coppola, and it's not uh, Dracula and Mina. I'm getting like Dracula and Harker, right? Yeah. Gary Oldman and uh, Keanu, Keanu Reeves. Yeah. Like Dracula wasn't trying to put it in Keanu, but it was this unwilling participant stuck in this castle w- with a business transaction as the leverage as things slowly become more horrific for them, that would have been, you know, I'd say, Hey, it could have used more of that, but getting fresh off of, uh, impulse, right. Correct. Favorite episode that gave me every (laughs) space horror, resident evil, light of the living dead zombie moment I could have ever hoped for. So I'll, I'll call my, my desires for more space horror here. Uh, but it's an interesting follow up in that. Um, so what we got going on here is a. You can call it Beauty and the Beast. I'm going to call it Dracula A plot. Uh, and a pretty rockin' B plot, which picks up on one of my favorite plot points of the season, which has been these Death Star things. And that's right. what we're going to pick up the episode with. Yeah, I mean. I don't think we're criticizing this episode too hard because honestly fits into the continuity of what's going on in the season quite well, right? Like we've, 
we we've we've put a big old joke at the beginning of this one about how like Portland Park just doesn't get to do shit. It has not done anything yet this season. So this is really It's not pro- a joke though. It's true facts. Yeah. It's a joke based in in what we've experienced. It's funny cuz it's true. <laughs> and so this is her chance to contribute to the mission and it begins with a very brief teaser of her hearing and briefly seeing an apparition of some kind of some man as we alluded to there are no bras on enterprise anymore they couldn't fit with all the new torpedoes had to all be no. thrown out yeah all the bras <laughs> were actually destroyed in the first uh spatial disturbance yeah all of the uh wire metal shape rods <clears throat> were all sucked into the bulkhead and they're gone so everybody's free balling it now and Roxanne sh- Dawson has discovered a camera style. Frake certainly has his own specific camera flair. Uh, Roxanne Dawson is going to show us her preferred new camera trick, which I'm calling stalker vision. <laughs> and how would you how- describe it? How would you describe it? Uh, menacing, um, creepy, uh, a prelude to a sexual attack. <laughs> something she's well accustomed to she's developed a style around these things you know we do what we know right how about that how about uh roxanne dawson has just been stockholmed by berman era <laughs> and now that we're in what would you call it late berman era uh, yeah uh, yes late berman late era uh late stage berman trek mm-hmm. now that things have decayed to this point you need to bring your like, you know, Berman's had her back soaking in a back to tank full of Joker juice. So she comes out with her own like crooked smile and like bad sexual impulse. So they can move her into the director's seat to carry the mission forward. Uh, Hoshi's being stalked about her cabin. Some some dim lighting. We've got dudes popping off in the corner. Uh, creepy voice breathing in her ear telling her that you know he knows her this and that when we get returned back to the episode after the uh, intro we have the a plot and b plot running concurrently for a while so a plot hoshi's trying to talk to reed like swear this happened reed's like there was nothing on sensors swear listen it's okay we're all under stress i swear i saw an insect <laughs> you know zindi the other night i'm you know we're all fucked but she's like nah i wasn't a I think I really experienced it. You know, she goes to the flocks. Flocks is like, I there's no, there's no trace of anything that's happened to you. Sidebar. What? <laughs> they just encountered Rajin. Were they aware that she's telepathic? Probably not. They don't know what she did to them. You know, she she got absconded with and then they were just like, oh, that was weird. Uh, no, man. Listen, because fucking even Hoshi got the zap put on her. Rajin would get close. You'd start hallucinating. I mean, if we take what Archer's experience was, which was she knocked on the door and was basically, hey, I'm here to fuck you and blow on your ear and I want to S your D. And then all of a sudden it snaps and she's like, cool. Thanks for saving me and like walks away. And it's like there was this whole hallucination loop. Right. Mm hmm. I don't think it's unreasonable to say that that would be a similar experience for every other human crewmate that encountered and was mind probed by her, which included Hoshi, as you noted. Exactly. So that's one example of like 
there are telepaths out here that are strong and can do goofy shit. Do we really know that uh, Vulcans are telepathic to any degree yet, or has that not really been experienced? Well, there was mind meld stuff in season one. Yeah, you know, I guess I'm thinking more Tuvok, where he's like bordering right up on top of Deanna Troy in terms of like telepathic abilities, especially in uh, random thoughts. Well, it, I will contend that random thoughts was a circumstance where they were such good telepaths that he he's able to communicate with someone who can bridge the gap to him. True. Because he yeah. has enough ability, but not that he can himself project. Have there know? been any other real enterprise telepathic run-ins yet? I guess the psychic Pokemon slugs from uh, Rogue Planet. Yes, I would say that works. So. You've got at least three examples that this crew specifically should be able to draw on and say. Sometimes you're not crazy and sometimes it's ESP. And and to Archer's credit, like when it escalates, when Hoshi is trying to parse the Zindi database and the guy returns and is fucking with her, you know, perception. And he, they do the thing with the cameras within the mission center and do a lot very of very like, 90s art house there. Oh, yeah. Very with the camera right on her face. You know, mm-hmm. it's classic of the era. Um, he immediately takes it seriously. He he buys into something is happening. Well, we're going to keep you here overnight. We're going to have guards posted at the door. We're going to do all of the we're going to post guards at the places. He he immediately is like, OK, no, you I understand that you believe you have been fucked with and I'm going to go ahead and. Uh, act as if that is true. There's a couple things up to this point. One, Hoshi is not okay with what's happening. And yes. she is really milking that universal health care on the post-scarcity planet of Earth, telling uh, Phlox, run all of the tests. Money is no object here. I want every test under Give me the an moon. MRI, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> Build my HMO. Uh, um flox is kind of upsetting too because she's like hey i'm seeing things i feel like i'm going crazy he acknowledges like oh you must feel like you're going crazy and he throws this little quip in there like on denobilius uh you know people hallucinating is uh you know viewed as perfectly healthy and it just means that their brain is venting stress in a productive way oh i wish i could do that I, I want to take that as like, wow, that's interesting world building. Kind of the same way we took uh, Neelix and the um, Neelix is what race was he? Talaxian. Talaxian beliefs about daydreams being glimpses into alternate realities, which I still love. Uh, him and this, though, I'm like, dude, you've bragged that you've got a fucking PhD in psychology, and this is the best you're coming to this lady who is clearly distraught. She's getting mind probed. Well, I mean, I will I will say that Flox is consistently portrayed as someone that his his entire approach to medicine is very matter of fact. And in, in the, that's a consequence of his species being one that has a, no time for bullshit. Right. Like the Denoblians are just described as very forthright, very frank people. And that's how he acts. And it's his it, that is compassion 
for his species. It's slightly off in the in kind of the same way Vulcans are a little bit off from where humans are, but it's still quite relatable to the consistency in which he is using here. The other misconsistency that I'm having <clears throat> is there is no talk of lingering transporter sickness. The last time Hoshi really had a, uh, and that's something interesting here to look at now. It's always the women that are going crazy. T'Pol has had several nervous breakdowns and like psychotic episodes. And now it's Hoshi. She had the transporter sickness one and then kind of the front half of this. But I think this would have been a great time to self-reference and or her to be like, oh, my God, you don't think, you know, maybe there was something more to that transport or someone else, especially read like I'm still trapped inside. It's all still in my head. Yeah, oh, you haven't been in the transporter again, have you, Hoshi? Like that, I would have loved there just to be like that nasty rumor that Hoshi's still crazy. That would be... Mm. And and while this is going on, it's going on in concert with uh, Paul's efforts to try and map the spatial distortions and determining that there is another giant steel Death Star somewhere that's sending out the, the, the fucking waves. And by triangulating its position, they kind of figured out where it is. So why don't we go try and figure out what we can figure out about these things? Because clearly they're, uh, they're the reason why the Delphic Expanse is what it is. Let's read between the lines here. The script doesn't call specific attention to it, despite clear stakes that were made last episode in Impulse. These... Um, these, these physics bubbles, these spatial anomalies that enterprise is encountering are nasty business. This isn't regular space turbulence. Like, yeah, sometimes it knocks your coffee in the air and you know, it's silly. Sometimes it hits your face and twists it off. Like happened to that space pirate, right? Correct. The crew is at constant danger. And this episode does a really good job actually fucking the ship up for real. It's not just, you know, funny bubbles going down the carpeting in the hallway. It's, staircases getting twisted and thrown people getting hit and eventually like a portion of the hull boils off which was pretty interesting for cg at the time they need trillium d to coat the ship that's how other ships get through these things unmolested they cannot coat the ship in trillium d specifically because hoshi will turn into a brain dead zombie mean, that will you mean to, to paul to paul said it. yeah and try to kill her. i'm sorry i didn't mean to um give Hoshi more plot than she is allowed to have in season three. <laughs> that's clearly no, no, no. That's that's all for T'Pol. That's T'Pol's character development. Sorry, didn't mean to go into her uh, her bowl. So there is this onus on T'Pol to address the fact that the entire ship and the crew is in danger right now, specifically because uh, they can't slather the fucking Enterprise in this stuff. So it makes sense. She's really burning the candle at both ends to try and solve this problem. And like, there's a cool map on the screen showing like, here's the waves of fucking that we've encountered. Here's where they're extremely violent. We basically mapping ley lines of the Delphic expanse. And if there's an intersection here, it means there's a source there. Ergo, there's another big, weird metal ball that, uh, we didn't perhaps pay as much attention to as we should have because we're on a 24 mission instead of, you know, space Scooby-Doo, space mystery machine. 
But now this is a big issue. We need to get into it. So they set a course to go check this thing out. Uh, back to you saying that like Archer's taking this shit seriously. I do like that. He goes to Reen goes, all right, listen, I want guards on the uh, sick bay over Hoshi in case this guy, because like they've actually caught her kind of like hallucinating at this point. Mm-hmm. I want guards in the armory. I want guards uh, in the engineering. And then stupid reads like, oh, Captain, are you expecting problems? And then Archer's like, uh, yeah, and this part is in the fucking space ghetto. I how many times do we need to get, systems, bitch? We're getting fucked with every day. How many times do we need to get mugged at gunpoint? <laughs> yeah, this is a dangerous part of fucking town, yes. and I shouldn't have to tell you. Listen, we got how many Makos did you say? Thirty? Yeah, a lot. <laughs> there should be people posted at like critical stations twenty four seven. What else are these guys doing? They can play fucking guard duty here. So eventually this guy contacts him again, identifies himself as Tarquin and says that they can, he can assist enterprise in finding the Zindi and whatever the fuck they're up to. This guy is clearly uh, read uh, Hoshi's mind a lot. Apparently has done so over the course of several days, if not longer. And over that period, knows all the reason why they're around and he's saying I'm contacting you because a your mind is special Hoshi and that is why I can which is an important plot point and b I'd love the chance to talk to you and meet you and help you out with the problem you're having in exchange seems like a like a a very good deal if you're enterprise based on your other interactions with people in the Delphic expanse, like the best you've done so far is the spice merchant who does all of the cocaine and wanted to smell all of your herbs and spices for making Kentucky fried chicken. Yeah. That's your only friend you've made. So maybe a second friend would be good. If this guy was as good of a mind reader as he, or would lead you on to believe, I would have to think that the next day after the first day, he scared the fuck out of her with all his super creepy angles in his shadow play. He'd be like, Hmm, she didn't care for that. Maybe I should have like a more relaxed, nice, friendly mental invasion. I was really hoping, I don't know, something about the way this guy talked and did his line delivery. I was like, holy shit, are they going to like secure uh, Robert Patrick T1000? Because I see this guy with like this gym teacher haircut and a, and a turtleneck standing back in the shadows. It's like, this is either going to be T1000 guy or maybe Ray Wise. And instead it's some no name. I, I couldn't tell if this guy was from anything. Could you? Let's see. Uh, he was played by Mari Sterling. Who he, appear, he appears in and out of makeup, but this is the only thing he's ever been in Trek wise. And it does look like he's got, you know, some minor credits here and there for shows uh, from his career era. We'll call it from like he was in the Deadwood and 24 uh, ER, that sort of thing. But I don't think he was ever big. I want to do this real quick. Let's take his memory alpha entry and let's compare and contrast it to Regine's. Uh, His second paragraph is outside of Star Trek. Sterling has appeared on such television programs as Picket Fences, Dark Skies, which I know one of our uh, listeners is real keen on. We got a lot of listeners keen on trash. So (laughs) like attracts like. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) The single guy. There's nothing in there like. 
His mom did smut. His dad's a drug dealer that served three years in the Miami Dade jail. It is literally it is literally the second sentence in Nikita Eggers memory alpha. The second sentence. Her mom took her clothes off for Playboy. They get to the castle and it is a fucking castle. It is a castle in a mountainside on a snowy planet. Very Tibetan. There is strong, you know, and this goes along with Francis Ford Coppola's like Dracula had heavy Eastern influences. And a lot of times, you know, we'll make a big deal like this alien civilization sure does have a lot of stuff that looks like it was bought at a fucking crate and barrel or some other, you know, American big box store. Like there is nothing alien at all about this castle. It's all vaguely (laughs) Eastern and like, you know, Persian rugs and his smoking jacket. When these turns, this guy turns around and he's in these luxurious smoking jackets the entire time. Like, okay. Well, this guy's living the life. That's for sure. In his uh, astral projections into Hoshi's mind, this dude's rock and gym teacher haircut and uh, turtleneck. When they meet him in person and he's supposed to come, she's supposed to come down alone. But instead, it's Reed and Archer escorting her. We get a taste of. Uh, Mr. Dickface. <laughs> he definitely is a tentacly guy. This guy looks like a beholder with some sort of little penis syndrome. Yeah, he's definitely, you know, it's just all over. It's a good makeup job. It and a Star horrific. Trek makeup. As as far as Star Trek makeup jobs go, we are far advanced from the shitheads era, right? Like this. Oh, wow. Compare and contrast that. Yeah. This dude looks awesome compared to some of the stuff we've been through. I will say I don't think there has really been a bad special effect alien makeup job uh, that I can think of in Enterprise off. Like nothing's really jumping out like this really looks like shit. This really looks like they were phoning it in. Well, no, there's been some very like near human. Remember Yennefer of the Olive Garden? Like there's definitely been some phoning it in, but it's also been not bad. You know what I mean? And also it's super close to Earth. And if you want to again, go back to that next generation episode where there was like the the single race. progenitor. Yeah. The stuff that's close to Earth should look more like. And Earthlings. also if you're going to have Archer have a, a kissy face romance thing, you're not going to have her look like fucking dick face over here. No. Nah. So, yeah, like the, e- even going back to what was the stupid bird people one Annihilation. Oh, the raptor <laughs> wrapped acting. The acting was terrible, like the way they were having him act. But like the makeup looked good. The makeup would have looked even better if I was led to believe that they transformed into that over the course of a week and a half instead of 42 seconds or whatever their mutation rate was. Even the makeup on that was good. So this guy looks fucking horrific. He is ugly as hell. It is heavily undercut by the fact he just has a vaguely Dracula smoking <laughs> jacket on. Like, yeah, yeah, it's it's absurd. It, it looks like a joke. It looks like a fucking like one cell cartoon. Like, oh, here's the distinguished gentleman. Disgusting crab face, man. He should be approaching with a pipe. 
in his hand. You know, that's like the only thing that's missing in this scene. Yeah, put a fucking spectacle on him and give him a little top hat or something. That's yeah. that's how silly this is. He gets there. He's like, oh, no, she, the, this new honey of mine was supposed to come down by herself. And Archer is like, uh, nah, bro. Well, you know, Captain comes on these sorts of things. And he introduces himself. He says he's telepathic. He can read imprints off of eye. He has spirits touch. Yes. As we like to reference uh, Vampire the Masquerade. And he's willing, he's offering to use it on behalf of Enterprise. Like, get, bring me something. I can help you try and find the Zindi and where this weapon might be being built. Happy to use that. But he says, my price is that this, this fine young lady you've brought with you, she's going to have to stay here while I'm working or you don't get anything. And uh, the scene that follows when they discuss this price on Enterprise, I think it's a big W for our continued campaign of reading Archer and Hoshi's interactions under the lens that they are exes. Because his first reaction is, that's not appropriate. And when they're back up there, he's like, I don't like this. <laughs> I, don't, I don't like how he's trying to make moves on you. I'm, mm, 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 no. Hoshi, I actually went back and I uh, rewatched that scene and I turned on subtitles. When he said that you need to stay there, the subtitles actually just flat out said, I want to fuck Hoshi. When this guy comes up, Looking like a, a, a sun dried crab face. I, Reed should have pulled his gun and just fucking shot this guy. <laughs> this dude is a 10 out of 10 on the fucking monster scale. Everybody should have recoiled. They should have flicked the record off the the needle off the record. I was like, well, so much for my hopes that this guy was going to turn out to be a, you know, beta Z and. That that's how we we're going to be introduced to that staple federation race. It's a, a, a one and done, very clearly, vaguely evil monster with his unreasonable demands that like, yes, leave this delectable human. I've been reading your minds like, don't worry about him fucking you. Worry about this guy like eating your face and spraying eggs in your chest cavity to hatch his young like. Which is not the conversation they have. The conversation is Hoshi. This guy might try and fuck you. And she's like, that's cool. I'll shoot him. (laughs) That's the plan. Hoshi in this scene might as well just stand there and say, I'm a big dummy. Now, Hoshi, you know, this seems shady. I can take care of myself. No, you can't. You're the only person in like the entire Alpha Quadrant right now that this dude's telepathic powers have sway over. He can make you hallucinate and crazy and you think you're going to be down there alone with him on the planet and that you would have a fucking snowball's chance in hell to fight this guy off if he decides to get at all frisky or, you know, cannibalistic with you. And, you know, if, if, if she said, listen, I know he's ugly. It's fine. He can telepathically appear as something else. I will fucking bang the shit out of this ugly ass alien in exchange for where the goddamn Zindi are. I will whore myself out to this man if that's what it takes, Captain. If I that's am what it takes. If that's what it takes to get me an episode this fucking season, then so be it. No, she's those, just like, those face penises, they could maybe do magic. I don't know. We're about to find out. Let me tell you a real gross story. If you're eating out stop. there in podcast land. Stop it stop. right now. If yeah. you like pop tarts and you ever want to have pop tarts again and not think about the story, I don't know, jump forward a minute. I was we're starting now. Uh 
I was a child. I was at my grandparents' house. Uh, we were getting ready for whatever we we're going to do that day, and they made strawberry pop tarts uh, that had been in the pantry. Just you know, I guess grandparents have kids' food. You're like, hey, you know, maybe the grandkids will like this. I'll buy it, and then you have no recollection of time passage because you're old, and that's what happens. You get old. I thought I bought these last week. No, that was like two years ago. They put the fucking pop tarts in. The pop tarts come out of the toaster, and I'm hungry. I'm so. <laughs> They come out. These fucking pop tarts were riddled with mealworms that had been cooked alive in whatever that fucking pink goo filling is. And these things are like foil wrapped. It's not even like they're half chewed off. So this is just shit that's in pop tarts. The pop tart comes out and there's dozens of little mealworms that were trying to escape the scalding hot pop tart goo that instead went out of the frying pan into the fire. And as they got close to the fucking heating elements of the toaster, just cooked into crispy little nubs. And that's what this thing looks like to me. It looks like it, it was a, a big ball of pop tart in a toaster and all the worms and maggots tried getting out and got fucking cooked and crisp. That's why this thing's so disgusting to me. It, it's fucking this traumatic. I could, I didn't eat pop tarts until I got into high school after that. And I still won't eat brand name. Like I will not eat strawberry pop tarts. I'll eat the Aldi's knockoffs, the s'mores <laughs> ones. But that's all I see in this guy is like burned strawberry pop tart cooked worms sticking out of his face. You know, this those are called the, those were those were special bonus strawberry <laughs> pop tarts. Yeah, hey, extra just... protein in them. No, not buying no. that one. No, no, okay. that was good. <laughs> Traumatic. So. Uh, Again, I like the reading of Archer being very protective of Hoshi quite because of their familiarity with each other. I think it's still, again, an example of reading them as exes really works for their interactions because she's so casual with him and he's so casual with her. I don't I, I think that's just the best explanation for it. I would almost say that Archer should be like, I, I don't know if this is you talking right now or if you're under alien influence. I guess they haven't had enough telepathic like fucker yet to know that oh also two space ghosts took him over so yeah like body possession is a known thing like he lets her go i want to criticize and say he lets her go too too easily but this is a real juicy potential win yeah it is silly that they're like not only we're going to leave you on the surface we're going to fly all the way away so you are super exposed with this she agrees this dude, uh, Count Molestula, he's like, here's the deal. <clears throat> I'm so going to call the episode that. Uh, no, I, I, actually, I might be a little. If you think you can come up with something better than Count Molestula, I'm ready for it. I was going to say Count Rapula because that was a vibe I was getting off him, but I don't think that's going to be good for a title. No, so no, Count, yeah. It's going to be Count Molestula and Castle Creep. Count Molestula is like, I can use my magic abilities to, to, to find out more about these Zindi, but I need an artifact. Anything someone creates has a psychic imprint that I can exploit and I can get all sorts of info. So you need to bring me some sort of artifact. Luckily, Archer's got a piece of the Zindi weapon that uh, they brought out, that they, they attacked Earth with. He comes down with Hoshi to make the handoff. And Hoshi's like, okay, cool. Here's a thing. It's Count Molestia on one side. It's Hoshi on the other. It's Archer in the middle. And as like Hoshi hands him the suitcase, 
Count Molestia takes his big crab claw hand and like grabs the handle of the suitcase while also like doing that creepy I want to touch human flesh overt whatever like the thing that's completely inappropriate when you take something out of someone else's hand it happens right in front of Archer and he's looking at it and I'm like Archer just needs to be like nope listen we're not fucking doing this (laughs) Archer should have just pulled out his face pistol right there shot this fool and then we smash cut. Now this guy's in the fucking brig too. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, are they just raining his shit? Right, just like cut to the Makos going through all of this stuff. Like, find whatever he's using to use telepathy. It's this guy. He's back up in the brig. Archer loves the brig. The brig has been reassembled after the Zindi just jail broke Rajin out. All of the fucking glass pieces they blew up on the door have like been put back and been like duct taped or like shipping taped back into place so it's like all <laughs> spider web and shitty <laughs> he's like yeah well i got a new uh i got a new way we're gonna do this instead of hanging out with my ex-girlfriend you're gonna spirits touch this thing or i'm gonna blow you out of the fucking airlock like i threatened the last guy the last time i saw someone with snatch face i guess like maybe hoshi went down there at the end you know like potential um you know intention of fucking this guy because i don't know how else you can explain her wardrobe choices she packs a bag and what does she put in there peter she puts in two cocktail dresses yeah two tight fitting you know slip style cocktail dresses and heels not shoes heels like she's going out on the fucking town stuff you have never seen any human wear on enterprise to this point where i saw how she was dressed and i was like was she getting on the shuttlecraft and she picked up a bag uh that was she thought it was her away bag and in reality it was just like to paul's massage parlor uniform bag it was all of crewman cutler's ho- hoving remember we covered that during the rajin episode that's where all the risque clothes comes from crewman cutler's quarters she's like secretly a freak I, I'm the why in the world, Hoshi, would you pack these clothes on your space mission to save Earth? A, by the way, we had a whole scene where Hoshi was packing her quarters, uh, uh, packing shit away so she can make room for more material to like study, you know, all the languages she was going to encounter in the Delphic Expanse. Like, but you made room for all of this. I, I want to give this, with you? you know, humor aside, this is this is the most ridiculous part short of the way that they acted in the fucking bird people episode. This is complete ridiculous bullshit. Yeah. I mean, there is it, nothing about Hoshi that has ever shown. And I'm not slut shaming or whatever. Jump back to when she goes on vacation. It was two days, two nights. The Riza episode, right? Yeah. 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 Where she's the only one who ends up hooking up. She's not walking around in like cocktail dresses and and high heels. She's just dressed in like t-shirt and shorts, like mom stuff, right? Mm -hmm. She's going down to the surface with a horrific monster creature that very clearly uh, has special feelings for her. And significant mental powers. So maybe he's influencing her to do this, which they don't ever intimate. But like, that's the only reasonable thing here that she would go down on the surface. She should be in her uniform. This is a business trip. The most revealing it should be is like when they have her in the T-shirt 
and you know w- whatever they wear underneath the uniform. Like yeah, I, I could take her that. seeing her service jacket off and then like wearing her undershirt or whatever. Her having Friday night on the town with the girls' outfits that she's parading around in here. Like I don't know if that was Roxanne Dawson's decision on that or if that's what the script called for. But however silly this guy looks wearing a fucking Hugh Hefner smoking jacket as a burned up pop tart with bugs sticking out of his head. She looks three times as silly in these dresses. And and that's the real reason, right? Like Linda Park's an attractive woman. They wanted like they are with everyone this season, show off the attractive women. And so they decided to make the call on a production level. Oh, what's who she going to be in here now? Put her in a dress that shows her figure off, put her in heels, you know, maximize her physical appearance in the scene. There was no consideration of the practicality of the clothes. The story is informing you that Hoshi has brought with her in the decision to put her in those closings in that scene, right? We're making fun of the fact that it doesn't make sense. I don't think that the producers, the writers, or even Roxanne Dawson gave any thought to that. They're like, make Linda Park look good. And that's what they did. That's, the clothes would be present there or that she would even wear those clothes. It, it doesn't seem like it's within the scope of how that character behaves. Switch over to Beauty and the Beast. Belle is in these big, beautiful yellow dresses when she's, you know, off in the castle or whatever. Like, had this guy done something to, like, destroy her clothes or something where she's like, oh, and then him say, well, here's a gift and it's a beautiful ball gown. I'd buy that. Sure. There's a story behind it. I can buy anything. There just wasn't anything to explain. You want her in a dress? Have her in something, not some skanky massage parlor dress. Like, put her in a a big fucking Beauty and the Beast dress. Oh, I'm sorry. I spilled shit all over your uniform or, you know, whatever. Here, I've got these dresses for some mysterious reasons. Never mind the graves outside. This guy also shows no chill right out of the gate and making it incredibly apparent that he has rifled through her deepest memories oh yeah i mean that that definitely gives him the villain vibe from the start like when they're having dinner because he like goes to the effort of recreating pizza and and, like a hamburger (laughs) like earth dishes that apparently real milady flexing here yeah and it's apparently well done but he goes too far in demonstrating knows everything about her and the story does convey some interesting thoughts about Hoshi that Hoshi has felt isolated because she was so smart that she has been kind of isolated from her peers and treated in a special fashion to develop this supercomputer like skill she has with languages, but it has left her without peer relationships that she would otherwise had and made her feel abnormal, which he tries to connect with. But of course, that weirds her to fuck out as well, <laughs> when, it as well. It should. Although I do like it as a character note about Hoshi, you know, that she was, you know, when we get more of that, right. She was close to her grandfather. You know, there's, there's all little tidbits in here. That's actually, uh, I'm happy to have received. Her parents um, didn't know how to relate to her. Again, <clears throat> once he starts crossing these super creepy lines, like, Hey, not only have I been reading your surface thoughts, but I know everything. I know all your embarrassing moments. I remember that time you wiped your butt and got poop on your hand, but you didn't wash it off all the way. Like. Once she sees that this dude has fully violated her memories, like 
whatever those cocktail dresses she brought was, she'd be like, no way I'm wearing these fucking things. I need to be. The, you wear I, sackcloth at all times. Yeah, like I need to get the fuck out of here as a matter of fact. She keeps cutting them slack. And again, it creates this weird. It's what, like they what, didn't know what to do with the script. Like, right. were they were they going to build a genuine romantic relationship between the two or not? And they just seemed to never figure it out if it was going to be A or B. And in fact, they seemed to do more B plot and not enough A plot to develop exactly which choice they were going to make. I think that if they were going for the Beauty and the Beast plot and they had Roxanne Dawson and they had her in dresses and this and that, there needed to be something redeemable or handsome about this guy. He looks like an evil monster and he acts like an evil monster. And by the end, you know, the actions he's willing to take against Enterprise, like this dude is a fucking villain. And maybe that's why uh, they didn't go any deeper in that. It makes Hoshi look stupid for cutting him as much slack as she does, I guess. Um, but there, there could have been a compelling kind of romance here. You just need to give the audience something to hang on. And this guy just looks like a two dimensional villain. He acts like a two dimensional villain and it kind of comes off as a, as a time waster and makes her look dumb in the process. We'll stick with the a plot here before we get to the B plot, since we were kind of super deep on it anyway, he gives her a tour. The focus point of is like, hey, here's my inner chamber. I'm working. Uh, oh, yeah. Also, he gives her like a fucking diary or something. Um, I also felt like there was like ultimately going to be a big sinister reveal that never actually happens on this guy. Like, we'll find out. Oh, uh, I'm a genetic freak. My species isn't usually telepathic, but one in what, 50 million of us are or something. Yeah, so he is from a very long-lived species that goes unnamed. And apparently those with this telepathic talent have to be in exile. But it's not like he just gets kicked out. Like, he he was given a gift to expand his powers, which is his crystal that he shows off later. That's my favorite part. (laughs) Hey, what's that? Oh, this? This is the thing you're going to threaten to smash on the floor when I get evil. Like, that's what I put in my fucking notes. Like, this is my plot leash. Would you? Yeah, I just keep it on the table. And would, you like, my, would you like to hold it? Would you like to use it? I'm going to give oh, it a this try. Is, this is my flackerty. I, I care about this more than my own life. As you said, he gets put up in a fucking castle. Yeah. I was expecting this dude's story to be like, yeah, the exile is actually me because I killed everybody else in my species. And this is actually my old homeland. And that journal you're reading is like, you know, the last person journal before i killed him too and like i'm a fucking yeah. monster and i'm alone the, for a reason the, the yeah the the four corpses you see out there were you know f- members of my species whose whose brains i burnt out like there was a lot of opportunity to like really show this guy to be monstrous but instead they they are like half pregnant with his monstrosity and uh after the tour after dinner and they get the first day he gets to try the the crystal out while she's wearing one of her dresses and ultimately, that is, of course, when she wanders outside and finds four graves of four prior companions, all of which had been lured to the castle by his telepathic powers and convinced to remain or made to remain until they perished. I want to go back to the crystal ball. This crystal ball, which was a gift from his family, <clears throat> which allows him to 
exert greater mental control, which seems really counterintuitive. Hey, you're a threat to the species because you have this telepathic ability. We're going to put you in exile, but we're going to give you a psychic amplifying crystal to, to enhance the thing we view as a threat. Whatever. Um, he's using this thing to assist him in working in uh, spirits touching the Zindi weapon, right? Hey, what's that? He explains what it is. Hey, you want to try? Yeah, sure. She grabs it and she gets like this, uh, this smash cut of like various ships flying. Just, you know, basically the entire season three plot condensed into like 1.2 seconds. Including like a close up of the Zindi reptilians. Oh my God. How do you make any sense of that? Oh, well, you just got to concentrate this. Wait, hold on. Ho, 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 ho. You're telling me that this crystal ball, if Hoshi holds it. Hoshi is now a psychic. <laughs> like I said, well, shoot him and take it. It's like, well, right, what do I figure this out? What I need you for, dickface? The second you're threatening to kill the whole fucking crew. Uh, yeah, okay, I'm going to smash. Skipping it. We'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got some plot edits to do here. So the the next scene they have is him coming into her bedroom when she's in a different fetching outfit and says, you know, the your, your crew's returning. You'll go back. It, it makes it seem like he's being you know respectful of her desire not to remain and, and all. Yeah, of that. she's like, listen, I just found out I basically fell into a honey trap and you're trying to trick me to stay here with you for the rest of my life in some original series. Horrific outer limits shit here, like some glass menagerie stuff. The big threat of the episode is that this guy apparently has some sort of control over Enterprise itself that does not get explained. But as it comes back for Hoshi, he's like turned all the power off and he's threatening to kill everyone unless Hoshi agrees to remain. Which is just, it feels like a completely empty threat in the moment because the guy is just like, I don't want to kill anybody. I'm just super lonely and I really want you to stay, Hoshi. And I know you kind of want to stay too because I can read your fucking mind. And eventually, of course, she does the most obvious thing in the world and says, well, I'll just, you know, I'll just break your thing and then you'll just be alone forever. So. How about that? He's like, oh, OK, I guess I've been beaten. <laughs> also, did we mention this guy has uh, amazing technology that he can completely cripple Enterprise in orbit? He's implied also to have replicators. I don't know if you picked up on that. Yeah, like, there's a lot of stuff this guy implies that just flies over the head of tons of people. Like the day before he traps Enterprise 2, he's like using uh, his psychic doubled, like his attractive human form to be like, stay with me. I can make your wildest dreams come true. Just think about it. No, I don't want to be here. And he's like, well, just think about it. You know, try and warm yourself up because you're going to have a lot of time to think like such an obvious like. I'm going to trap you here, bitch. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> she needs to be like, what the fuck did you just say? So, yeah, when when Archer shows up. Saying, hey. You should stay here because this guy, he's like really great. He's a he's a swell guy, but you got to be here for a month or two. I mean, she's actually willing to do it. Remember, in right, the scene, yeah. she says, all right, well, go and, and I'm thinking in my head, too, and I'm like. 
well, it would be reasonable for her to go up to the ship and get her stuff. And like, certainly this guy must have thought about, no, 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 no. We'll, we'll, we'll have someone bring it down to you. What? Well, I just want to say goodbye. No, it'll take too long. But like, it's, I'll, I'll use a transporter to get back. No. And then she's like, you fucking asshole. You're trying to trick me. This is, this is exactly what I should have known was going to happen. And now it's happening. Boy, do I regret wearing all these seductive fall in love with me dresses. So the B plot, since we're already an hour in, and we'll, we'll briefly describe this. The B plot is them exploring the spheres and going to the second one. And this is where we get the first run in with a spatial anomaly that does serious damage to Enterprise. It, as we recounted, tears a, a whole uh, a ladder off of a uh, piece of the ship it ultimately actually blows a bulkhead and you've got a big old gaping wound in Enterprise. I would say and this it, is the first time we really encounter the fact that Enterprise NX-01 did come factory installed with a plethora of uh, in-console IEDs. Yes, that was part of the upgrade right before they came into the Delphic Expanse. <laughs> they just put the Mark One IEDs in there and they resolve to very cleverly instead of coating the entire ship in trillium d and you know causing paul to go turn into a zombie uh it would just coat a shuttle <laughs> i will trillium say d. those mark 1 ieds and you can tell this is how they're first generation they're shitty they don't kill a single nameless crew member no. these are some low quality archer will go back later you know like mm. Up, nice up try, 50% but I mean, guys, but not yeah. enough blood. The worst <laughs> thing we got here was jobs. Some, worst thing we got here was a couple uh, eyebrows singed off. I like the line of dialogue when Archer orders Trip to <clears throat> coat the shuttlecraft. Hey, you might want to stay away from the flight hangar for a while. And she's like, uh, yeah, I don't want to become a fucking mindless zombie with snot leaking out of my nose. Like, Again, they're not calling specific attention. This does kind of call specific attention to it, but like there's several chests of insano rocks. Like this is a good thing to be very aware of and Vulcan scared of for what degree Vulcans can be scared of things. They coat the shuttlecraft trip and Archer go flying off. They hit a couple disturbances. It's real light they're like wow this trillium d stuff's working great they go through the cloaking field they come out they're like there's another one of these big eldritch god energy stations let's get down there oh damn it wouldn't you know the sensors got zapped and all the turbulence uh we're gonna have to head back to enterprise and fix it it's gonna take a day and a half and blah 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 and he's like no fuck it man and i was like just shoot the fucking door and go inside there like you know it's safe and no, there's no atmosphere, is there, right? It was a pressurized. Right. Mm -hmm. They created their own little colony inside it. Yeah. Very uh, mass effect, like prefabby. Yeah. He goes, just land on the fucking moon, man. We'll walk around on some bad CG and fix this. What's the worst that can happen? Well, and apparently so the worst that could happen was this was actually kind of an, a, a unique error, which is there's a power surge that causes the shuttlecraft to launch back into space without them. Uh, before we make the mistake of letting the bit go, I'm going to go and insert my my Dr. Jack Starfleet SOP upgrade here. All right. Uh, when doing an emergency tire change on a shuttlecraft in space in zero G, one crew member must always remain in the ship. 
Someone has to be at the controls in case there is a unscheduled power surge that turns the engine on and it starts flipping away. This and thing- their solution, their solution is, what do we do? Uh, shoot at it. Blow up the thruster so that it crashes. So let me get this straight. You got two shuttle pods. You're in the middle of nowhere. You have to be very careful of these things. Your shuttle f- starts floating away. You've got spacesuits that have EV packs you can kind of like gust off into. Uh, what's your solution? Let's shoot our own stuff. Meanwhile, earlier in the episode, a fucking dick face monster with terrible psychic powers walks out of the shadows and you don't immediately gun that thing down. What double standards they have. I I think in Enterprise, we've moved from one shitty gunfight to another to any chance the crew has to shoot themselves or their equipments with favor, phasers must be capitalized. There's been like several episodes in a row now that they're just shooting themselves and their own stuff. These guys are trigger happy, but not for alien blood, just humans, Vulcans and, and collateral and damage. Yeah. <laughs> they just want to cause chaos. I, I, start do, sh- I do like that. They shoot it. It crashes back down because they're in the gravity hold of this moon sized sphere. And they decide to frame the shot as that's like tumbling back towards them. And they're not moving. They're not concerned. No that, like, shits. They not should a get out of the way that this thing is just going to happen to magically stop right in front of their fucking faces. Roxanne Dawson's directing them uh, on the scene. They're like, okay, so in this one, you're shooting the phasers and the ship's going to fall. And they're like, okay, well, like, how far away is the ship going to fall? And she's like, I don't know. I don't have the script. I, I don't know, like, four football fields. Oh, okay. We'll just stand here and watch. And then the practical or the the, the special effects guys are like, how close are we supposed to put this thing? Like, oh, it's going to stop two inches from fucking Archer's face. While they're shooting at the shuttlecraft, too, I'm thinking of, uh, was it GURPS that had, like, different damage scales for, like, small arms and then, like, tanks? Like, basically, if you oh, yeah. shot... Well, a lot of other uh, systems have that, too, like Star Wars D20. D20. Actually, I think West End Games D6 had it. That's what I'm thinking of. Like, you're shooting a fucking hand pistol at a spacecraft and you think you're going to, like, damage it. But then again, you know, Reed did overclock those phasers. So that's the whole shtick we're doing here with this B plot, (laughs) putting us a position where we got to, like, have a runaway shuttle. The thing falls lands hard, slams, rolls around, almost crushes them. They don't give any shits. Cut over Enterprise. The ship's getting back. Hey, we're coming back. We got all the scans. Everything's great. I wish they would have done a lot more with the B-plot. Maybe started alluding more to what's going on. In the end, the uh, hypothesis is that there is a ton of these metal planets creating this uh, lattice work. And the point of this is to create the... what, what, what was it? What was the clouds called? It wasn't a nebula. It was a thermobaric. Yeah, thermobaric cloud. The thermobaric cloud is a byproduct of these machines operating, and it is an active effort to create an inhospitable region of space. The Delph Expanse is not naturally occurring. It is a creature made. Yes, it is. Fifty of these spheres combining to create whatever this is creating an obvious like mystery for the enterprise to solve. They get Hoshi back after Hoshi, you know, threatens to blow up the crystal 
they are told that the alien has not been able to determine any useful information. But alas, we have one final scene to consider, and that is this guy visiting Hoshi again when well, she's once more in a state of undress. <laughs> here's what happens. It's not that he doesn't have anything usable. He takes the ship hostage and says, you're going to stay with me or I'm going to kill everybody. And she says, well, I got your bauble here and I'm going to smash your fucking snow globe with all your magic. And then, yeah, you might have me. But after I die in 60 years, uh, you're going to be stuck alone forever. And he's like, well, fuck, I'm a numbers guy. I see what you're talking about. Fine. I'll let Enterprise back uh, out of my spider web. Give me my crystal ball back, but I'm not giving you shit. And I'm like, what a fucking dry hump of an episode this was like. Okay, this guy's not going to play ball. You're back up on the ship. Hey, Captain, uh, this guy found out all sorts of shit. But because I wouldn't SSD that dick face MF is, uh, you know, just he's a villain. Yeah, he tried to kill you guys like this guy's a bad guy. Also, by the way, he's got that magic rock down there that gives him his psychic powers. I can use it. So if you want to, like, beam him into space and then we can, like, Steal the ball or just beam the ball off of his desk and we can fly away like there's some options here. I then, you know, they explain why they ultimately let this guy go without any issues. And it's because he turns and goes, hey, you know, I'm going to help you after all. Because he's a simp. Hoshi. <laughs> and he's like, I'm going to send Sohoshi a super <laughs> chat. You know, I'm going to send a big old super chat mm-hmm. and hopes that she'll, you know, she'll I've think been- fondly of me. I've been a top tier subscriber to your only fan for the past four weeks. And I've reviewed all content ad nauseum. Like I can't let you go. You're going to be special. I remember you forever. Also, you're on a really dangerous mission and you're probably going to die without my help. So here are in fact coordinates to a Zindi colony, which is like the best lead they've got like straight up. You will finally find these motherfuckers here. And if, hey, you change your mind, you want to come back and live in a psychic wonderland, like, I'll be here, XOXOXO. I was half expecting this guy, especially with the evil heights he reaches, uh, threatening to kill everybody on the ship, and the fact he just looked ugly as fuck to either A, be another Zindi agent the same way Rajin was, that the Zindi have, you know, strong psychic spies all over the place, and this is one big, you know, uh, a psyop on him or this dude to be a jilted lover and be like, you know what? Fuck you guys get out of here. You threatened to break my crystal ball. I'm going to go to the Zinni myself and I'll say, Hey, guess what? I heard you're paying for info on humans. And I know this Hoshi brought inside out. How much are you going to pay me? Give me some fucking slave girls or something. I will say that uh, we do get a little background that send Rajin over here. <laughs> her mom was in playboy. I read that on her wick on her memory alpha entry. She can scan my body all day, but she ain't going to like what she sees. I'm full of fucking rotten maggots, but hey, (laughs) so we do get one little uh, extra thing was that he did mention there were five Zindi species and they don't like each other. So, you know, we've already established that through the Terminus Systems Legion of Doom meetings, but, you know, now Enterprise knows that. So, but yes, in the end, the, the simp comes through Hoshi's simp. Uh, manages to come up with the best lead they've had. And that's it. They just end the episode right then and there. So what's the next one? Where are we leading into? Oh, hold on a second there, Joe. I want to, before we uh, scoot off here. 
2013, Brandon Braga mentioned that he thought this episode was, quote, pretty crappy. (laughs) (laughs) I, I, I honestly like. The part that is objectionable, the part that sticks out like a sore thumb, the part that you can't help but notice and dr- takes you out of what you're watching is the obvious attempts to sexualize Linda Park to the maximum extent possible, even when the story provides no explanation for why it is occurring. This is it's, it goes beyond whatever to Paul wears children's clothing when giving massages, right? Which is just maybe she just likes to to wear that when she's in bed, right? Like doesn't require an explanation. It's just odd. This, the the choices here are inexplicable (laughs) and it does uh, call into question what the fuck is happening on a narrative level. But overall, the idea of a a psychic that's trying to help them, but also trying to get something out of them that who she has a connection to them, that she's super talented in her own way. She has a mind that works differently than everyone else's. And then that's why he connects with this guy. And then they're investigating the spheres and the spheres. And there's a lot of spheres and there's all shits going on. And they finally get a lead. All that works great. I don't have a problem with any of that. It's really just like, why the fuck is she in a cocktail dress and heels? Like the fuck is wrong with you people? This episode does no- Hoshi no favors. And the last time we really touched Hoshi as a character is a deleted scene from the fucking last episode of season one. Correct. Where she goes. Season hey, two. The season season two. two, the expanse. Yeah. Uh, I know I was not really committed before, but now I am in it to win it. And I am 100% on board with Sparkle Motion. Uh, <clears throat> Earth needs us. And I am a ride or die chick now. And she has been nothing at all this entire season. This is the first. Oh, I'm sorry. Minus being a fucking raptor person. <laughs> embarrassing raptor person. So they gave Archer this dark. Determination and drive, right? Mm-hmm. If I'm going to doctor this script up and we're going to put some some depth on Hoshi, aside from the fact that she could have just killed this guy and stolen his psychic orb. And now she could be the first like psyker in Starfleet, which could be cool, which really cool. Maybe this thing even becomes like a drug addiction for her. And she's like, I need it. And they're like, no, she's like, but I'm so power. There's some really cool stuff she could have done. If she had that rock. If they would have made her a little, um, shady if they would have made her cold if she would have been like listen captain this dude is into me and i don't know what he's willing to give us but i'm gonna go play this fucking fool and i'm gonna go down there i'm gonna seduce him so hard that he becomes he gives us all of it and if she went down there with the intention of seducing him and jerking him around and milking him for info and like there was like bad bitch vibes coming off of her i would respect the hell out of that Instead, she goes down there like a Girl Scout, like, oh, I'm, you know, I just want to be friends. All right. Just this real. Christian daycare. Teacher attitude through the whole thing, despite the fact she's wearing these dresses like it, they don't know what to do with her. She could have been vaguely Seska ish and it could have been really cool. And instead, she just looks like a fucking idiot this entire episode. No favors done. 
they don't know what to do with her character, and I don't think it could have been more obvious here. And then the same with Mayweather, right? Like, Mayweather hasn't even had an episode yet. <laughs> like, yeah, poor man. Might as well not be on the show at all. So uh, they they really don't know what direction to go here, and it's hurting. It's hurting these two characters in particular. And I'd say it's Hoshi. hurting Hoshi more. Hoshi had potential and she's fallen off and Mayweather started bad and they've done him small favors the entire time through. So like he's still not a good character, but I would say that he has gotten progressively better and she, they not only did they, yeah, they forgot she exists and they don't know how to write for her. And they, they, they gave her a very interesting character element that they don't typically have available to them, which is she's not really a professional space person and she's not particularly interested in being one. She's just really loves languages and uh, wants to do a, a solid for Archer. And they disposed with her hesitance to be in space. And instead of embracing that and showing her really like developing into an officer that wants to be there, um, they stick her with the fucking Beauty and the Beast episode. Okay. Or, uh, you know, creepy Count Molesto. All right, man. We're going to go into season three, episode seven. The Shipment. And this one's going to be written by Chris Black and Brett Friedman, directed by David uh, Stryden. Enterprise discovers a Zindi mining outpost where components of the Zindi weapon are being assembled. Well, that's a direct lead in off of the tail end of this one. Correct. Uh, they got the Yeti looking Zindi dudes here with like the snaky werewolf faces. Um, we're going to be really get, we're getting into the plot now, you know, like no more fucking around. We're, this is we're crazy. Gonna... This has got the, you know, under in the memory alpha, it's arc, the Zindi crisis eight of 28. Like that's the whole season. That's more <laughs> than the whole season. Yeah, it's more. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't stop in season three. <laughs> It didn't start in season three either. I mean, that was That's started correct. the previous season, season two. Mm-hmm. Was this a good one? I would say it was fine. It wasn't good because of everything we just said about Hoshi, but it wasn't bad because in the end, the pieces of this do build out some things that are interesting. I was saying, is the shipment going to be good? Oh, uh, yes. The shipment is good. Good. All right. Well, that's all I need. All right, man. Thanks for listening to Vija, please. We'll see you next week.